0: Psychedelics are illegal not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. We open to us the possibility that everything knows wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority, authority is a lie. Voice of perception. Information is power. But we have to seize, seize the opportunity the opportunity. Seize. The opportunity. Well, wow. welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the storytelling segment of Mike Adelic. Um, yeah, I should just sing this whole podcast. Actually, I've gotten requests from people to just do the whole thing in impressions. So maybe I'll do, maybe I'll do a couple uh, of those just right off the bat. What do you think? That I think, I think that'll work. So we could do, we could just try a couple things. I mean, normally I just introduce the podcast, hey, what's up, welcome back, la la la. Boring, right? Like, who wants to hear that? This is psychedelic. This is supposed to be like a fun, cool, hip, psychedelic place, man. Far out, man. <laughs> so we could start it you know we could we could do something like hey wow 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 welcome to my dale, dale, ah, you know something like that. that that doesn't really sound good we'll probably have to maybe add some effects in later but we probably won't because we'll just leave it in because it'll be funnier that way um <laughs> or we could do something like hey welcome back to the world's best psychedelic radio show. I'm your host, Mike Bragatelli. Here we go, folks. Who's ready to talk about weaponized hallucinogens? <laughs> or we could do, uh, what other kind of like intros can we do? Like, um, hey, yeah, we did a singing one. Like, da-da-da, duh, duh, get your coffee in the morning. Get ready, come on down, because it's psychedelic time. boo doo boo I don't know how to do the rest of this song. I can't rhyme. Okay, Um, we're having fun here today. We are having fun on a hot, hot summer day in New York City where it is just impossible not to walk around and be completely drenched and soaked. But I don't know. I I see some people walking around. They're not sweating. I'm kind of like, are you human? They're not human. They're reptilians from another dimension here to take our souls. Do, 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 do. Oh, that's another—that's another voice I could do, for psychedelic, like that—that that kind of weird. It's the psychedelic talk show, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, you know what? Duncan Trussell has that. Fuck you, Duncan. Yeah, man. It's all like you're in your earbuds and shit. It's a fucking podcast goop that you want, brother. You're god, man. That was my Duncan Trussell. I don't know. I let me hear your request. I want to hear requests for impressions. People have been telling me that I do good voices. I know I do good, but I, I'm so... Bo- I don't know what to do. You know, we could have Arnold Schwarzenegger host the show. Obviously, that's an easy one. Everyone can do an Arnold impression, so I'm not even going to do it. All right, welcome back to the show. We had some fun. Got that out of the way. That was cool. Now let's get to the serious meat. Of the podcast, Thank you for listening to the show. I'm like amazed. I'm like really like blown away. Like we're getting like a lot of listens every week. It's like really cool. A lot of people writing like awesome positive reviews, people messaging me all the time like, hey, Mike, like love the show. You know, feel free guys, please add me follow me on Twitter, message me on Facebook, ask me any kind of questions. I don't have anything to do with my life. I sit around. It's all for you. It's all for you. Okay. I'm devoting my life. In service to you people for the good of humanity. Okay. Um, but yeah, seriously, if you like the show, please subscribe, leave a nice little rating and review on iTunes, you know, follow me on SoundCloud. Um, I just applied to be on Spotify and on Stitcher and a couple other places. So Maybe the show will be available in other areas and whatnot of the web that I'm unfamiliar with. But, you know, video game playing nerds that live in basements, no. So we'll get the show out to those people because they need to hear it too. And uh, And, yeah, so if you like the show, please show your support. Okay? Nothing better than public support. Otherwise, people just think I'm some lunatic talking about drugs, which is not the case. And you know that. So, thank you very much. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for listening. Please like, share, subscribe, blah, 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 all that stuff. Be a part of the fascinating, fast-growing, psychedelic podcast on the East Coast, uh, coming from you from New York City, all the way in the Gas Digital Studios. Okay. Yeah, I'm feeling. I'm just feeling really good today. It's just like a hot summer day. It's like middle of the summer, like feeling good got a got a clean apartment, not by my doing. <laughs> but it's it's nice. I like many many people mistake that I don't like nice I like nice things. I just don't like to do them. Other people can do them for me. I, I appreciate that. So that's why that's why I need your support. <laughs> and I'm not even I'm not high or anything right now. so this is just pure just like straight energy, just life. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the show. Man, I know you guys are probably itching to hear what I have left to tell because we have this episode and then another episode left to talk about my ayahuasca journey deep in the jungle of the Amazon rainforest. So where we last left off, I turned into a blue coyote, man. I just fucking boom poof, poof during the second ceremony at the Temple of the Way of Light I turned into a blue coyote. And it was like it was fucking weird because like you know it, I feel like when people talk about spirit animals and things like that, like it's a, a it's kind of a joke, like, Oh my my spirit animal's like a pepperoni pizza dude. Which I, I like, I wish that would be cool. That would be way cooler, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I had never even thought of like coyotes before. Like, I didn't even really know what they were. It wasn't on my mind. Um, and the blue, I say blue because that's like what it felt like. Like if you know, if you're familiar with uh, Star Wars, like that color of the lightsaber, it's like white, blue, glowing color. That's essentially what happened to me. Just like 45 minutes, 60 minutes into the ceremony, full dose of ayahuasca, stepping it up. And I just I just felt like uh, kind of like a takeover of my body. Like, um, yeah, it just kind of hit me like very fast. Boom. I just became... Blue coyote. So I had this, I felt like I had this aura, this like energy around me of that like radiating, like light blue. And I just got the feeling that I was a coyote or the image that I was a coyote. It's very hard to explain. But anyway, my body was completely taken over. You know, I wasn't really in control necessarily of like the movements and the noises that I was making. Because what happened was I start I did start making noises now in the ceremony at the temple of the way of light we're asked to kind of remain to ourselves so to speak you know there's certain kinds of sounds and things like that that will come out that are na- that are natural that you know that happen but if you're if you can control it they ask, they ask you not to, like, you know, really scream and stuff like that, where I know as uh, other places, like maybe like Blue Morpho, Hamilton Souther's place, um, I, I saw in a documentary, uh, documentary Metamorphosis, you know, like the people are all in a circle and they're all screaming and they're panting and moaning and shouting and, and he's standing there going, ja, da, 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 you know. And uh, it's just not like that at the Temple of the Way of like, They just do things a little bit differently. I mean, maybe there's some kind of benefit to being able to scream and let it out and stuff like that. But I actually didn't re- really even feel the need to. I mean, whatever kind of came out of me came out. Now, when people are talking about ayahuasca and they, you know, the little bit that they know, they think that it makes you sick and you throw up or you have diarrhea – and now I thought I thought for sure I was going to have diarrhea. Like, I don't know. I just I was like, um, that's me. Like, that's just going to happen. You know, <laughs> quick little side story. The reason why I say that is because in my experimentation, there was an instance where, uh, you know, I was all hopped up on the McKenna train and I was doing heroic doses and uh, McKenna's all about five dried grams, and silent darkness will really get your goose tickled. You know, it's like that's the real person that you—that's how you want to talk to the mushrooms. So that—that's what I was doing. I was experimenting, and um, and one night, I you know, respect is the thing that you must have for these. Like that is the one thing. If I can say. If anything, that is probably one of the most important things. I mean, set, setting, of course, but you really must have respect for these things. So I, I guess I didn't have the proper amount of respect for the mushrooms. But when I did take this uh, heroic dose well, the first time, I did. Um, <laughs> the best way I could describe it is, I got played. Like it was like it was a big like cosmic joke. It was like almost like the mushrooms were laughing at me. Like I was having like. You know, I was having visions of like these kind of little elf things that like McKenna talks about and stuff. And they were like laughing at me and mocking me. And they were basically like, oh, like heroic dose, like you want us to show you something cool? Like we're going to send you to the bathroom all night. So basically, that was the story of my heroic dose night. I, you know, I pissed myself and then I went to the bathroom all night. I think I might have told this story actually on a podcast a few, a few, a few podcasts ago with uh, Mookie Thompson microdosing and overdosing. Pretty sure I told this story. But anyway, so after that, I learned like, okay, like, you know, we are like real serious, like biological machines, you know, we, we can be these like luminous, you know, beings that, you know, as Ernest Becker says, contemplates, you know, the wonders of infinity, but we're housed in these decaying, you know, meat sacks that are ultimately food for worms. And that is the dichotomy <laughs> like that. That is like the cosmic joke almost. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty funny. But uh, also could be like kind of terrifying to some people too. So you have to have respect for these things because they have real consequences. You know what I mean? Mental consequences and physical consequences of the body. So that being said... I I, I went into the ceremony with the utmost respect, you know, drank the ayahuasca, had my intention set, and was ready to learn. You know, was ready to learn from ayahuasca. And I was ready to um, submit to the ayahuasca. You know, that's another important thing. It's almost as if when you're learning from a teacher, you know, to have faith in that teacher, to trust that teacher, and I'm not talking—I'm not talking about like blind trust or blind faith, but you know, based on reputation, based upon the history and the knowledge and the people that have the thing, you know, that hold this uh, medicine up in such high regards. Honor that and respect that, you know, I mean, maybe it's okay to go in with a little healthy dose of skepticism and cynicism or whatever, but I, and that that comes naturally to a lot of people, but try and let go as much as you possibly can. Right now I'm training, uh, with, uh, I'm training on the Wim Hof, uh, program. I don't know. If you guys are familiar with Wim Hof, but he's a kind of a meditation breathing uh, expert. He's known as the Ice Man. He's hiked Mount Everest uh, in just nothing but shorts. He's got Guinness books of uh, Guinness Book of World Records uh, for most amount of time submerged in ice and all other sorts of things. He's like a freak of nature. But the cool thing about him is that he's been validated like by science. And one of his things is. Look, there's all all the science is there to back it up. You don't need to understand that right now. Just go with it. Just let go. Just completely let go. Trust your teacher and submit yourself for an education. And so that's what I that's where my head was at. That's where my head was at going into that ceremony and my intention was set and I was ready and I was like, look, like I said before, I'm not trying to fuck around. Like I came down here for a real serious purpose, a real serious reason, you know, it wasn't cheap and it, and it wasn't, you know, I took a lot of time out of my life, you know, was away from my girl and loved ones and family and friends for a while. So I knew that if I'm going to be down here, I'm going to be down here for a serious purpose to heal, to correct, fix problems that are happening in my life. You know, I keep fall, fall, falling into these patterns of behavior and these cycles And if I could change that, if I can help improve myself, then I would feel confident going forward in producing things of value, you know, like I would feel confident in just being fully myself, you know, and and that in turn would have a ripple effect in all areas of my life and people I know and things like that. So I had a good understanding of why I was there, what I wanted to accomplish. I had my intention set, turned into the blue coyote and like, you know, basically. (laughs) And like, you know, it was like totally cool. (laughs) And basically, yeah, I got some people tell me, I say like way too much. Sorry, dudes deal with it. I don't know what to tell you. It's my one flaw. So, but I'll be more conscious of it. So, the ceremony kicks off. I turn into the blue coyote. And I start moving in like an animalistic kind of way I start moving like an animal. Uh, not necessarily the movements of like a coyote, I don't even know what the fuck those movements are. But I just started moving like an animal I started, you know, I was like on all fours at one point, you know, downward dog kind of positions, things like that. And I started making like a growling sound. And like I said, like I, this wasn't like consciously going on in my head. I wasn't like, oh, I better start growling now because I'm a coyote and that's what they do. It just happened. It's just it's that's just what happened. It just came out, and it, it I think later I found out like uh, the girl next to me was like, yeah, I was kind of scared at first, but then, but then I wasn't after. But it was kind of just like, <sighs> <sighs> like these deep kind of guttural growls, not loud, just. kind of like that. Okay. So I'm doing that. While this is going on, the maestras and the maestros are singing. The three uh female shamans and the two male shamans. Hey, you know, doing that whole thing, and it's reverberating through the maloka, and the and the acoustics are just powerful, just bouncing around the room. And you know, people are crying, and people are throwing up, people are going to you know the bathroom, and So what was my purge? Well, for a large part of my life, I've had like really serious like anger problems. Specifically when I was like a teenager, probably around, I want to say maybe like between the age of 13 to like 8, I would say 19, 20, 20, probably extended into my 20s, probably to like 22 or 23. 24 I'll include probably around there. All right, what the hell, 25. <laughs> 13 to 25. I think I I you know, it was probably at its most intense like between 13 and 19 or 20. And uh yeah, I mean, it was really really I mean, I was just filled with uncontrollable rage. And it like felt really good you know in like a weird like i'm a huge star wars fan so i just equate like everything to star wars so the best analogy i could come up with is when anakin <laughs> in in uh in the prequel episode 2 attack of the clones when anakin like taps into the power of the dark side and like feels like the the power of of it like that is like what i equate that to like I just, dis- I discovered that basically I, I wasn't consciously aware of it at the time. I was just like, okay, if I don't get my way, I'm going to act out in uncontrollable rage. No one will be able to stop me. No one will be able to contain me. No one will be able to tell me what to do because I'll cause so much pain and destruction that it will be unbearable. And that's exactly what I did. You know, teachers, my parents, anyone. When I was out with my friends, like, if someone was messing with us or something, you know, my, my friends all knew, oh, you know, don't set Brancatelli off because he's going to go, he's going to destroy somebody. He's going to really, and I did. And it was, you know, it just was what it was at the time, but I mean, it, you know, looking back, I mean, it was horrible. You know, it's just no way to live. It's like just filled up with so much anger. You know, you're you're like a a young boy becoming trying to become a man, and you have all these. You know, these hormones just raging through you. And then on top of that, there's all these, you know, issues from your child, whatever it is, you know, that's building up. and, And it just it really just felt like I had this just like black and red ball of like hate and anger and rage just inside of me. And if there was something that I wanted to use it on, I would tap into it. And it was like, you know, I just felt like unstoppable. Like it was very addicting, you know. I don't get my, okay, I don't get my way. My parents tell me I can't go somewhere or do something. Boom, tap into that that element and completely dominate them. Completely dominate them. I would just verbally cut like a knife, you know, say horrific, horrible things to them. I would rip doors off hinges. I would smash things, break things with my fists. I would hurt people. I would attack other people in my, in my household. So just really, really bad stuff, really bad stuff, uncontrollable rage, uncontainable anger, really, really bad stuff. Hurt a lot of people. You know, I probably to this day have hurt people in my life when I was around that, those ages, who didn't deserve it at all. And, you know, I just took it out on them because I wanted to, that's how I thought I could assert my way into the world, you know? That's what I thought my strong suit was. Oh, okay. Well, I can completely destroy and decimate something. Mentally, physically, emotionally. I could just rip into into someone like like needles and shred them. And I would just do that. I would just destroy everything in my path. And eventually that kind of went away. I mean, around 25, 26. I think I have to credit psychedelics for, for helping me through this change process, you know, mushrooms, LSD, were the two biggest ones that I was using around that period of time. And that's kind of when things started to change. Um, But it's not like that goes away. It's not like there's just like, Oh, okay. Do LSD. And then magically you're not this, the person that you are anymore. You're still that person that the it still remains the things that have happened to you, the things that you did still remains. It's how you deal with it, how you handle it, how you perceive it, how you let it affect you that is what matters. So I think I kind of turned it in on myself a little bit and that's what maybe led me to be depressed, you know, and to kind of suppress all that anger and that rage. And it kind of mutated into a, into a depression, you know, kind of like now it's, now I'm hurting myself. Now I'm tearing myself apart. You know, now it hurts me. So this came up, you know, I mean, this is what ayahuasca does. This is what ayahuasca is for revealing to you, showing you, Teaching you, educating you, showing you hallucinations, I I, I guess you could say. But to me, they're more like visions. Like to me, the ayahuasca ceremony was like an education. It was like being in a in – a, it was like my whole life I've been kicked out of school. I've hated teachers. I've been looking. I've been searching for a teacher to really teach me, like really. And this was the it. Like, this is it. Like, I, my mind was blown. Like, I, I was continuously throughout the ceremony going, oh, oh, that's why. And then I would ask it. I would say, oh, well, show me more. Like, uh, one of those, like, um, I don't know, maybe like a genie magic thing or whatever. It's like, oh, okay, now you have the answer. And it's like, now show me another one. Show me the next answer. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? So that's what I was doing. Um, as I was kind of growling and as the maestros and maestros are singing and they're going around the room and the puking and everything and the yeah oh yeah and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm my body is kind of like almost convulsing. Uh, you know, i have been taken over by this kind of coyote spirit animal thing. So I'm I'm not going from all fours, then I'm standing up on the mat and I'm and I'm growling and then I'm having these visions and I'm learning and I'm going, "Oh, okay." So that was very powerful, very, very powerful. I mean, it's so hard to find the words to describe, but it's, it really was mind blowing, just mind blowing. And so I learned about where my, I learned about my anger. I learned about where it came from, why, you know, I had so many questions when I went into ayahuasca, like, why, like, how is it possible that I am the way that I am? Like, how was I born to be like that? Like, why did that stuff happen? Like, how come my brothers weren't like that? You know, my parents weren't really like that. Not really. I mean, what, like, what was it about me? Like, what made me do that? I had all these questions. Like, I just naturally inquisitive about, about this stuff. So I just wanted to know, you know these self limiting things that are happening in my life where do they come from you know i couldn't give two shits and then like that that was one of the things that I, I swore to myself going in to get rid of all my expectations because that's what you got to do you know i hear all these stories from other people about ayahuasca trips and they they're traveling in the universe and stuff like that and like yeah like that'll come Like that'll happen. I'm sure that that happens and stuff. And I did see some really cool psychedelic visions, you know, to start off. I think that's the, that's the way it went for every ceremony. I got cool, really psychedelic, like a cool psychedelic dance on the come on, you know, when ayahuasca started coming on, it was fucking awesome. But that's not why I was there. And, and like, if that's all that ayahuasca was, was just like a trippy, like cool psychedelic pattern and, and, you know, vision and things like that. It's like, all right, whatever. I can get that from shrooms. I can get that from LSD, I can get that from other things. I can get that from lying in a float tank. I can get that from holotropic breathing, you know. I can get that from a variety of different things. That's not why I was there. So, when I started having these visions, I started learning about stuff. I was just blown away. And, you know, I figured out all of these things, you know, like where, where my, I saw where my anger came from. And in earlier podcasts, I episodes of this, of this storytelling series, I talked about the work of Dr. Gabor Mate and his daughter-in-law, Dr. Tanya Mate, who is there, who I can't say enough about, I mean, she's amazing and he was amazing. Um, and their work really focuses on the early childhood development stage of life from zero to five or seven years old. Because that is the period of time that we are the most vulnerable. We have no control over what's going on. And things are just being downloaded into our brains. And and it, sh- it shapes who we become for the rest of our lives. All of these like probably, you know, addiction and ADHD, ADD, depression, anger issues, all this stuff, I, I guarantee you, it's all from that. I mean, that is the basis of, of his work, of, of Mate's work. And I saw that. Like, it was clear. I mean, I saw myself opening my eyes as a baby. I saw my parents, my grandparents, you know. I saw what was happening. I felt the emotions of, of what was happening during that period of time. You know, that this is what ayahuasca does. This is the purpose. This is why I was there. I mean, this is so much cooler than like trippy visions. I mean, that has its time and place. But like the profound fact of showing me what happened in my life from ages zero to seven is is just absolutely mind-blowing. And so you don't really have like, you know, you have all these memories in your brain, but you just don't remember them in the way that you would normally remember memories after those ages. Because we've lived lives where we're able to kind of have a context and we're able to put those things in their proper place and have like a real, you know, file for them. But in those ages, we don't know shit. Like we're just fucking dude. We showed up to the party like what's going on? You know, we just got here like someone fill us in and we're just getting filled in those years. They're just filling us in. And some people have horrific nightmare childhoods just beyond just terrible, you know, molested and, you know, things like that. I mean, and, you know, the the thing that I learned from this ayahuasca journey and sharing with the people that I was with these beautiful 20 other people that I was with when we did group sharing exercises and stuff is that no matter what happens to you in those in that period of time in your life, it's not your fault it just simply is not your fault. And no one ever really told me that before. And no one ever really like put it that way. And I didn't really look into this work. And it just becomes so much more clear when you have an experience, when you directly experience those past traumas and those past events, when you directly experience and feel the, 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 the magnitude of the emotions that you were experiencing at that time in your life is just, I mean, you can't put a price on that. It's crazy. It's crazy. When I experienced that, I thought, oh my God. I have such a clear vision of where my my suffering and my emotions are my what i once thought were uncontrollable emotions are coming from now that i have this like really really clear depiction of what happened and and what went down it's like it doesn't have like power over me like it doesn't have control over me anymore i can clearly see it i remember it i i remember the feelings associated with it and that just alleviates like the burden off of all of my shoulders, and it like clears it up. Once you have a clear depiction of where your suffering comes from, it has no power over you, you know? It it just, it really lightens the load. It really gives you an understanding of who you are, what you are, where you came from, and why these things happen to you. So, so that's what I was there for, you know? And this is like, This happens to everybody, you know, everybody could benefit from this. This isn't just like for people who are quote unquote messed up. We're all messed up, dude. We're floating on a fucking rock in the middle of fucking nowhere in giant space. Who the hell knows if anybody else is around. We're the only ones that we know of so far. We're just spinning. If sometimes it's light out, sometimes it's dark out. The days change. The fucking planets spin. There's, it rains. It snows. It gets hot. People fart. I don't know what. what nobody knows what's going on, man. People are here. Then they, then they leave. They die. They like you, you could be a hundred years old. You have a, you have a as good of an idea as what this shit is all about. As me, I don't know, you know, nobody knows. We just pretend like we know. We develop all these structures, all these things that help us cope, coping mechanisms. As Dr. Gabor Mate would say, we develop coping mechanisms. You know, if you have ADD, you tuned out when you were a child, you tuned out because something was happening. There was some kind of stress in your environment, your mother, your parents, your father, your grandparents, whoever. And that created you as a child to tune out. That's what I did, I tuned out. I saw there was a lot of fighting, arguing, and stress happening. And it's not their fault either. They're doing the best that they could. I spoke to my deceased grandmother, came to me in a vision during this experience as I was having this ayahuasca experience this night, dealing with this rage, this anger, this frustration, this this confusion, this, you know, this just, this just, you know, And I I asked her, I said, well, first I said, you know, it was great to see her. And she said, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) And I told her and she said she knows. And she tried the best that she could. And she came from a family that was messed up and she had to make do with what she had. And she turned out the way that she did because of her situation. And it was great. I mean, it was absolutely great to, to, to hear that. Now, I will say. For people out there who are like, Oh talk to your dead grandmother. Okay, sure, yeah, right. Like, all right, dude, maybe I did, maybe I didn't, but it felt like it, so it still has value for me, so what's the big deal? Who cares? Does like it doesn't matter if it's in my mind or if it's real, what is real? It doesn't matter. I got I got what I needed out of the experience, right? So who cares? So I found that out and I and I thought, okay, well wow. So like my parents were stressed and angry and arguing and my, and and their parents were the same kind of way with their, you know, same, but different kind of things. I was like, wow. Okay. So like, where did it start? You know, like that I had this question. I was like, where did this all start? You know, if it's not our faults and it keeps just happening to us and it's just a cycle from one generation to the next, where did it start? And then like, boom like i was smacked into the center of the universe and it was just black and dark and there was just one giant like white gold star like just exploding with like white light radiating white energy light with like a gold like glimmer to it like a sparkly gold glimmer and it was just white energy and white light and blackness all around just bright blackness like really just and i go Okay, like, what am I like? What is this like? What you know? Where did this separation of like? Where did this anger? Where did this confusion? Where did this stress? Where did this all start? And I'm looking at this giant orb of of white light, golden, radiating energy, and I'm asking these questions, and it showed me basically that there was a division that happened. That there was, this was the only thing that there was in the universe. It was just a white light, golden radiating energy, white light just existing in blackness, in the vast empty blackness of space. And I don't know why, I I, I didn't really ask why, but I just was shown that it split into two, that this energy divided itself. Maybe out of boredom, maybe out of whatever, I don't know, you know, just maybe because it felt like it wanted to give something to existence, you know, it wanted to create, it's a creator, we're all creators, we are all creators, so this thing just created this other thing, and the other thing that it created was a bright, glowing light of kind of orangey fire, like a sun, you know like a fire energy it was like it looked like a a ball of fire like a ball of of energy swirling around with like orange and red kind of elements to it yellow like you know whereas the other one was more white and kind of golden and then it showed me that like this second piece the piece that the first one created this division this orange energy this fire energy for whatever reason Decided to attack its creator. You know? Like it. And every time it like, I think maybe it was that because it was like, I want to show you what I can do. I want to prove myself to you. And that and that kind of reminds me of like a, a Freudian kind of complex where I, I forget what it is, but the boy wants to challenge the father you know he wants the father out because he wants the mother's love like for himself like that sort of thing and in that context that I'm looking at it the mother is the space that we're inhibiting The space and the father is the is the the white light the creator and this division is the son is the you know and it's like it's basically like saying I want to show you how powerful I am because i want to inhabit this space too i want credit as well for existing for being here you created me but i'll show you you know that was the message that i got that's the vision that i saw and i saw every time this fire energy attacked this white light energy that it would weaken and it would hurt you know it would hurt the white light energy but it would also hurt itself it would also hurt itself as well So, as a strategy not to hurt itself, the fire energy divided and it created more energies, more fire energies. And then the white golden light energy, the creator energy, was like, oh, shit, motherfuckers got an army over here. Well, I better divide, take the risk of dividing again, maybe I'll create some crazy fire energies, but I need some white light gold energies. I know I could pop out a couple of those, hopefully. So it did. It divided like a motherfucker. It just div- it Just was like, I'm going to divide like you've never seen division before, buddy. And it did. And it did create a couple fire energies. And they went over to the fire energy side. But it created like a shit ton of like white light gold energies. And the fire energy just like couldn't handle that. It, it was just like blown away. It was like, I don't understand like how you created all these like white, light, like, golden energies. And like, what, how did you create all so much more than, than me? And how did you create so much more in such a fast and such a quick amount of time? And the fire energy noticed that it, it couldn't keep creating more fire energies as long as it kept attacking because it would kept hurting itself. And when it hurt itself, it couldn't create more. So it it noticed that it had to be very strategic in it's attacking and and, and things like that. And I don't know. I mean, this is the vision that I saw. This is what I saw. You know, I mean, it's subjective to me is not objective. This is not like how the history of the universe went down. It probably has something to do with, you know, relating to my personal life, my struggle with my parents, my anger and and that sort of thing. But this is the vision that I got. I said, where did this separation come from? If we're all mistreated, if we have all these traumas, if we have all these problems and it's not our fault and we develop them early in life, how did it start? Why did it happen? So that is the vision that I got and I learned. And then it kind of like sped up time, I guess. And what I saw, what I learned, the next stage of the vision was that we're all these creator energies. We're, we're all these stars in the universe, in the sky. We are, as Neil deGrasse Tyson says, we are made of stardust. When I look up at the sky, I don't feel small. I feel big because I know that the atoms and the elements up there are the same ones comprised in me. Neil deGrasse Tyson says that. So I was just like, wow, you know, this was, it just made so much sense. It just felt so right this is the only way I can ex- describe it, you know, and like me telling you this is cool, like, you know, cool story. But for me to experience this was earth shattering, mind blowing, the feeling, the sensation, you know, that I have on Iowa, like during these visions and emotions, euphoric, Almost, you know, euphoric sense. So I learned that like, basically we're all these energies. We we are these stars, we are these energies. And some of us are just these raging fire energies. And some of us are these white light golden energies. And there's a lot more white light gold than there is fire. And every time the fire attacks, it hurts itself. And then (laughs) I had a vision of Ron Paul. What, yeah, Ron Paul. Out of all people. I mean, one of my heroes, for sure. Tripping on ayahuasca in the jungle in Peru. All of a sudden, Ron Paul appears. And the, the, the reason why he appeared is because Ron Paul always uses this quote by Victor Hugo where he says, nothing can stop an idea whose time has come. And that just clicked in to this vision that I was having. It was like, oh, yeah we're all these like white light golden star energies. And this fire energy is just bashing its head against the wall, trying to attack us, trying to dominate, trying to take over. It never will. It can't. It causes a lot of harm. It hurts. It hurts the white light golden energies. And in the process, it scars and hurts itself. And I thought, well, that's the idea. The idea is that we, what we are is we are love. We are everything. We are white light golden energy. We are love. We are unity. We are peace. We are all those things. But we also have the capability to be fire and anger and rage and destroy. But we have to know that that is not something that we want to showcase to control, to, to assert ourselves. Because it will take away from our power. It de, it de- it, it devalues us. It hurts us. We hurt those that we care about. We hurt others in the process, and we hurt ourselves. So it's better to be the white-light golden energy, retain the, 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 the power that you know that you can create the fire energy, but only use it when necessary. And, and it just cli- I mean that is like the essence of libertarianism and non-aggression and you know the non-aggression principle. Everybody has a right to exist. Everybody has a right to live and decide if they want to engage and, and, and uh, you know, participate in things voluntarily. The minute that somebody initiates aggression on somebody else, they're the ones that are wrong. They're the ones that are in the wrong. We, you know, the belief is to not be the initiator of force and aggression, to be the defender, to be the protector to be the white light golden energy that knows that it has the capability to destroy but holds on to it for defense and for asserting itself in other ways. So that was just like really profound. Really, really profound. Really deep, really profound. And... you know i thought about also like um i saw the jungle book movie recently and spoiler alert at the end of the movie uh Magui, i guess the kid's name is takes this fire because he knows that it will scare the lion uh the tiger like that's the um the enemy is his, his enemy is the tiger the tiger was burned by uh, by a man so now he hates man so the the kid takes the fire and runs through the forest to go attack the tiger like as a final showdown to like You know, because the tiger keeps bullying everyone and killing people. But in the process, he like drops some of the fire off the torch and it like burns like the whole jungle. So nothing can stop an idea whose time has come. There's a difference between power and force. In fact, there's a book, I think, called Power Versus Force that I found out about from Dr. Tanya Mate, and I'm going to order that, or I have ordered that. I'm waiting for it to come. But it was just really, I mean, really powerful. I got a real good understanding of human nature, my nature. And I just dealt with anger uh, issues all night. I mean, you know, my body, like, I, my, you know, the ayahuasca wood, show you these like profound visions. And you'd have these like, Oh, wow. You know, these like mind blowing like experiences like I just explained. And then it would like transition. And the next stage would be okay, deal with your physical meat sack. Now deal with your like hairy, stinky animal flesh deal with this body, you know, and I would just have no thoughts and no visions, just all feeling all feeling and i would I, my body would just jerk up and i would just stand at the edge of my mat and i would and i would silently like scream i would just open my mouth like and i would and i would clench up my entire body like clench up really hard and i would just i was standing there I was shaking i was clenching up so hard and then i was releasing i was releasing all this red um, and red and bright black, like orange and red energies, just shooting out out of the room. And I was silently screaming. My mouth was wide open, and I was like, you know, it looked like I was screaming, but I wasn't making any noise. I was, I was like almost yawning, like it was a yawn coming out. And then. All the maestros and maestros that would that were singing, they would eat when they came over to me. They would, you know, help me relax. They would calm me down, and and they would sing their ekoros to me. And it was just every time they came over and sang the ekoros to me, I felt like I had been healed. Like I felt like demons had been released from me. I felt like they had helped me. They they did. They did. You know, they something happened. Something came out of me. Dark energies were coming out of me. I was and I was shooting. And I and I got like cocky for a little bit too because. Uh, I remember in during this uh, kind of <laughs> during this like exorcism almost of energy, I remember saying to myself, or it wasn't me, it was the energy, the energy inside of me, the fire energy was saying, fuck all of you. Fuck this singing. Fuck your shamanism. Fuck your fucking healing. Your little lullaby, ekoros. This is all weak. You're all weak. Your shit is whack. <laughs> As Nick Swartzen would say, your shit is whack. Me, Zach. Shit's weak. That's what I thought. I not what I thought, but that was that that's that fire energy, that ego, that that anger, that destroyer, that dominator part of me, that part that everybody has, you know, but it's so powerful in me, so prominent in me was coming out and saying, I can destroy all of you. <laughs> you know, it was I was like, you think this is power? I will show you. I will show you the power of the dark side. I will show you the power, if you only knew the power. We can rule the galaxy together. <laughs> <laughs> That—that's like what was happening. That's what was going on. I—I—I I, I, I was <sighs> angry, emotion, red energy. Hey, show my way, na Hey, yo shaman. way, way, Icarus playing, Icarus singing, shamans all around the room, people throwing up, people crying. I'm silently shooting out all these red, black, like I could see, it was weird, like when the shamans would come over, like they would know, like, oh, okay, like this guy's fucking nuts. He, he's got a lot of shit going on. And they could sense like the dark energy, like the, the red energy that was coming out of me. And when I was tensing my body up, I was really like, you know, when, when you're like, about to get into a fight, or when you're whatever. I was causing. I was, I was making my adrenaline rise, and I was tensing up. Every single ounce of my body it was shaking, shaking, like I wish I had better words to describe it. But it was. I felt like a tingling, vibrating, like I've never felt before in my life. And then just, just shooting red dark energy out and and thinking in this like demon way you know like I will destroy you all like this <laughs> like this energy is so much more powerful like and then I and then they would calm me down they would sing their ikaros, and they would you know do these things where, where they would you know touch your head and and it was like wow Like, did they just like suck this like dark energy out of me or something? Like, what's going on here? I don't know what's going on, but I feel great. I felt great. And then I would sit back down and I would calm down and then I would go into more profound visions. And I thought, geez, wow, this is incredible. I mean, everything. I'm just sitting there and I just feel this like tranquility over me. (sighs) Yeah. Okay. This is life. This is what this is. This is why I'm here. This is what I'm learning. Very profound. Very, very, very profound. And so the night went on and um, ceremony number two, the night went on and I dealt with a lot of more, a lot more emotions, a lot more anger, a lot more rage, a lot more frustration. And every time I dealt with it, it became clear to me where the root of the problem was. And it's almost like when you have a clear vision of all this stuff, it's almost like Now I'm – all of these things that were once weapons faced at me, anger, depression, ADD, now I have the – I control these weapons now. I understand how they work. I have these weapons and I can use them not to harm myself and harm others but I can use them for good. I can channel their energy and and use them for positive – in positive ways, you know. And like I was just having like all these visions of, you know, be the change that you wish to see in the world and you know, what am I doing to myself? You know, I'm fat. I keep eating pizza all the time. And, oh, I, you know, I had a vision of that. And then I had diarrhea and I went to the bathroom. And it's actually kind of, I'll, I'll talk about this because I don't care. I mean, I want to tell the full truth. I, You know, I go in the bathroom. I have, di- I have like, massive diarrhea. Uh, but it wasn't like a, pro- you know, I wasn't, like, going to shit my pants or anything. It was actually pretty calm. I, I just got up. I walked over to the door. A guy guided me to the bathroom, went in, did my thing. But it was interesting, like, the metaphor or the, you know, kind of like the symbology that was happening after I went to the bathroom I had this nasty bathroom experience and I thought to myself like I'm poisoning myself like I I, I'm not treating my body well I eat really shitty food and you know I drink a lot and I do all these things that are not good for me and I know they're not good for me and I I feel bad and it just was so clear to me and I look when I looked into the compost toilet bowl I was like oh yeah and I just picked up the compost out of the bowl. I, I scooped it with one of the bowls uh, on the side, and I buried that part of me. Like I, it was like I was burying that part of me. And I, I hope it sticks because I feel great. You know, since I've been back, I've been keeping on a good diet and I've been exercising and stuff. And it really does, it really feels good. It feels good. You know, I, I could do like a cheat day once a week or whatever, but it felt good. You know, not to be weak in the face of temptation in the face of that, that, that power, you know, of just kind of stuffing my, you know, filling the void, because that's what I was doing was I was filling the void, I was filling this empty void. And I would just stuff my face with like wings and pizza and beer and you know, just everything. Now I don't need to fill the void, because I, I know, there because there is no void. There's just no void. I, I have a clear understanding. And I'm sure I could I probably have a lot more work to do and things like that. But I have a really good understanding of who I am. And and why I'm here and, and everything like that. And where my anger comes from and stuff, you know. So then, that was really great. That was really, really great. And... Um, so, yeah, so then the next day I, I went to go share and I'm like, hey, I turned into a blue coyote last night, you know, and uh, Dr. Tanya Mate was like, ah, oh, the coyote, the trickster, the jokester. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense because I do comedy. And so I looked it up after finally when I was able to get Internet connection, when we went back to the city of Iquitos, I wanted to look it up right away because I wanted to know more about the spirit animal totem, the blue coyote. So I'll read it to you now. The coyote often symbolizes the trickster or the joker. However, its symbolism is associated with the deep magic of life and creation. It can be considered as having the following meanings. Jokester, the adaptability, uh, adaptability. it reveals the truth behind the illusion and the chaos. Playfulness, paradoxical nature, Pers- uh, personality difficult to categorize, difficult to label. Beware of the dark side of things and play on your resources Wisdom delivered by the coyote spirit animal is rarely direct the way of the coyotes to teach through other ways that don't appear straightforward. It may also include subterfuge or trickery, which is its goal to deliver its message. Uh. Excuse me. (laughs) <laughs> Don't be fooled by the coyote's way. Actually, that's funny. Uh, I, I think, I'm not sure if it was at the end of that ceremony. It might have been. But it, towards the end of the ceremony, it, 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 it kind of weans down. And it's like, hey, oh, hey we, oh, You know, and, the, and all the singing kind of comes down and gets quiet. And it's like 3 a.m. It's 3 in the morning. So the, the, the it's quieting down and we're getting ready to kind of end the ceremony. And there's a period where it's just really silent. And then the the shamans will actually all start singing again, but this time they're together the way that they open the ceremony. So they open the ceremony all together in the middle singing. Then they spread out and they circle around and they sing to each of us individually. Now they end the ceremony by all going back to the center and singing individually and together, You know, different things. But there's big gaps like 15-minute – what felt like 15-minute – gaps in between so it'll be really silent and then they'll just start singing again and then it'll be really silent and it'll be like oh is it over no they start singing again after like 15 minutes of silence so during one of the periods of silence I think I just like I just went <laughs> I just farted and, and everybody laughed like the shamans laughed you know some of the people that were still kind of with it in ceremony laughed it felt good it just felt natural it felt right I I just had this like ball of gas in my stomach and it just came out. I was like, I'm not going to like go outside. I'm just going to do this right here. You know, like, (laughs) so yeah, I don't know. Trickster, jokester, coyote. And, um, oh yeah. And then I, and I wanted to know, I was like, why, why blue? Like why, why? Why, why, why did I turn into like a blue coyote? Like, what does that, what does the blue have to do with it? So then I looked at blue, like what is blue meaning? Like, you know, whatever. I searched on some sites and found some stuff. They said, blue is a cool and common color that shows creativity and intelligence. Blue is sincere and does not like to make a big deal out of things or attract too much attention. Blue hates confrontation and likes to do do things its own way. Blue seeks peace and tranquility, promotes physical and mental relaxation. The color blue reduces stress and creates a sense of calmness, relaxation, and order. It's known to be a good a good uh, at communication, especially communication with your voice. It's also the teacher, the public speaker. The color blue is your helper, your savior, your friend in need. Blue likes to build strong, trusting relationships. Okay, cool. I mean, I don't know. You know, it's like one of those horoscope things. I guess you could probably make it fit for whatever, you know, whatever you are, but Hey, that's what happened. Turned into a blue coyote. Seemed to fit pretty well. I kind of liked it. Sounds like it fits me. I don't know. You be the judge. But hey, whatever. <laughs> it, it was cool, and it was profound, and it was just a great experience, and just such a, a an important lesson. And like, I'm never gonna forget that. And it just gave me so. It just gave me so much power. It was so profound. So powerful. You know, people were asking me like, you know, the next day we'd talk at lunch and things like that and like breakfast and like people like, you know, asking me about it. And like during sharing sessions, like I shared, you know, like what happened and stuff and just powerful, powerful. I felt a lot of power. I felt energy. I felt love. I felt connection. I felt unity. I felt anger. I felt hate. I felt rage. I felt all that. That was the night that I dealt with all that shit. It was fucking bananas so then the next ceremony ceremony three very interesting so now i have to from ceremony two i learned all this stuff about anger rage frustration you know i learned about all of these emotions i learned where they came from i learned why i tap into them why i use them i learned about my childhood what happened okay cool now i got all that knowledge it's very very clever ayahuasca is very very clever it it unfolds just the timing the purpose the intelligence of it it gives you what you need when you need it and no more or no less it's just unbelievable i, I, I on these podcasts describing this journey I'm almost a loss for words at times. So I'm just repeating like unbelievable, remarkable, amazing, incredible, beautiful. I mean, that's just the way it is. I don't know what else to say. Please submit some more vocabulary words for me. I don't know well <laughs> what else to say. But anyway, so now what do I do with all this, right? I got all the. I found out about all this rage, all this power, all this energy that I have. Okay. Well, now what? So ceremony three. That's, the, that's where we're going. That's where we're headed. We're headed into the third ceremony. And we have one more episode of Mike Delick, the ayahuasca journey left. I'm going to cover the third ceremony, the fourth ceremony, and the fifth ceremony, all in one long episode. Because the lessons that I learned in those ceremonies were really, really valuable. And the intention that I had going into ceremony three completely changed. I went in with one intention and it showed me what I needed. It showed me how to dance. (laughs) All right. We'll pick up next week on the final episode of the Ayahuasca journey of Mike Adelic in one long final episode. Peace.